Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at MWA underscore national. Now to our host, Tom Iovino, Diami Palatki, and yours truly, Chris Adkins. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 36th edition of the Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. Today's special guest is Mark Spagnuolo. While we make him wait, let's see what everybody's been up to. So, uh, Tommy, I hear you've been doing some stuff down in the shop. I have, Tom. I've been continuing the reassembly of the shop since I put the floor in a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. So I finally got that new joiner I picked up set up, and uh, the front bed is a little bit out of being coplanar with the rear bed, but the fence is perfectly uh, perpendicular to the real be- rear bed. So as long as I don't take too many passes, it doesn't turn too wedge-like, and I can get two 90-degree sides. So I've been good to go there. Um, and okay. I got some shelves up, which is nice, because one of the projects here has been to eliminate my shelves that rest on the floor, everything's wall-mounted, so I can clear up okay. the floor space. So it's uh, it's coming along. Still no real woodworking, but I can walk in the shop, and that's always a good thing. That's always and a And you have power. And you have power. I, and I have too. power. That's right. I have power. I have plenty. It has, it has been so nice to plug things in and run them simultaneously. I had four tools running at the same time the other day, which I, I couldn't run two before. Um, Jeez. So it's, it's, been, it's been wonderful. You have more outlets down that wall than, than I don't see. How, are you going to, like, try to just see if you can plug everything that you own in and run it all at one time? Or what's the plan there? What I think I'm going to do is I'm going to take all the circuits <laughs> out of the house and run extension cords from the shop into the house to just run everything. Perfect. Um, yeah, everything in there. Perfect. I like the way that's working. <laughs> well, you know, you get enough power, you know, it's a, it's a good thing to do. Um, just so you know, another thing um, – uh, we've been working on in my shop and, you know, I, I, for years, I've had my, my table saw, my current table saw now for more than a decade and it's a contractor saw. So it has an open stand and open cabinet and all that other stuff. And it is the major dust offender in the shop. Um, there's no real good way to, to hook up dust collection to one of these saws. Um, so one of the things I did was I, I kind of looked around for a while and I found a really simple plan to just build a, uh, just build a dust collection hopper and I connected a, uh, and I bored a hole in it and I put a uh, four inch flange on it. So now all I can do is I could hook my, uh, my dust collector up to it and it, you know, it doesn't catch all the dust, but you know, about 80% of it goes in, which is a big improvement. Um, you know, less work with the broom and the uh, dust pan after, after a shop session. So, Hey, anything that keeps that stuff out, uh, you know, off the floor is good for me. Definitely. Tom, funny, that four-inch four flange, is that connected to a dust collector or a vacuum, or does that just channel it all into one neat little pile on the floor underneath the... Oh, no, it's actually... I've got a dust collector with a built-in, with a homemade cyclone separator. Oh, right. Um, yeah, which, I know the one you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, and, and it just goes through the separator, you know, and drops most of it there, and then the uh, one... It's it's one of those 110 Delta uh, one-horsepower jobs, you know, about 500 mm-hmm. cubic feet a minute. Not, not tremendous, but, you know, it... It does the job. It keeps the it keeps the dust off the floor, especially with the table saw because it's so fine. And um, you know, I, I, you know, until I you know hit the lottery and I can go get the big cyclone separator, I um, the big cyclone unit. Um, this this should work pretty nicely. So um, I'm I'm looking forward to using this a lot more. I mean, yeah, that's a big deal. I, my you know, at my dad's shop up in in the mountains there, we've got a good. Um, dust collection on that but in my shop here i've got that unisaw and it's all open on the bottom i've just never bothered to enclose it and uh yeah it, it's especially this time of year when it's summertime and i've got the garage doors open and i crank that thing up <laughs> and it's only five feet from the edge so i'm my truck my wife's car the driveway everything gets covered and your dust, neighbors so. your children yeah yeah they they love that trust me <laughs> That's well, you know, definitely an improvement. So, you know, I'm looking forward to, you know, actually, you know, doing a lot less sweeping and a lot more woodworking. So um, some things, some things that are out there on the web that uh, actually piqued their interest. Pete Harbin, um, uh, he's at Second Wind Workshop, secondwindworkshop.blogspot.com, wrote a um, wrote a post called Danger Boy's New Bench. It was a post about his son and his dad's old bench um, that, that that he has in the shop now. And um. The, the 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 first thing is you know he built this bench for his son um just just a just a 
the cutest kid. I mean, he's out there and he's working with his saw and yeah, kind of. You look at the picture now. He's kind of he's kind of leaning against it, just grinning. And um, the funny thing is, is you know when you build it for a, for a kid of a certain age, and and our, our guests will be able to relate to this. When you build it for a, a, a bench for a kid of a certain age, they grow beyond that. So you know, at some point, he's going to have to rebuild this bench. Um, you know, to kind of to kind of to kind of, uh, you know, adjust for his new size. Also, Pete had a really just a, 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 a sweet story about his dad's old bench. Um, and it just, you know, he, his dad passed away about a year ago. And it just, uh, you know, it's he's moving now to, uh, to to set this up for his uh, for his son. It it's just really a touching story. If you get a chance to read it, it's just it's just you know one of those things that really it, it grabs at your heart. And that's just you know when, when we think about you know woodworking, we put a lot of love into what we do. And I'm just you know just yeah. take a chance to read that, take an opportunity to read that story. It, it just it's just one that'll really it'll really move you. It wasn't very technical in terms of woodworking, but it certainly no, no, no. was about the passion of woodworking that we all have. And I think that's certainly the more important part. Yeah, I mean, it's Especially, always great, too, when you're seeing something, somebody working with their kid and stuff like that and bringing in another generation, which is what we talk about all the time. So, uh, yeah, definitely yeah, commendable. I mean, talking about that multi-generational thing, that, you know, the, the, the father, the grandfather, the child, the child, the, the woodworker, it just brings it all together. It just, you know, if you get a chance, I mean, you know, it's not going to tell you how to, you know, hand cut a dovetail or something, but definitely something to kind of give a little perspective on life. And really, you know, it's something something worthwhile to talk about. So Very cool. let's take, take a chance to take a, take a look at that one. And Diami, our friend north of the border has something too, doesn't it? That's right. Our, our good friend Ian McKay from, uh, from good old Toronto has um, on his blog, which is woodcanuck.wordpress.com. It's Woodcanuck's blog. He has finally finished up his, uh, I'll go so far as say, bastardized version of the split-top Rubeau, which was um, popularized by, uh, by our upcoming guest. And what Ian has done over probably the last six, eight months, he's been blogging about it for a while, and he's had fits and starts in terms of having time to work on it. But he's made quite a, a couple of changes on it. He's got a traditional end vise on it, which is mm-hmm. interesting. It's the first Rubo I've seen with an actual like L-shaped end vise. Um, and he's got the leg vise, but I, I think what Ian did on the leg vise was really cool because he, he shaped the leg vise to look like a chisel. He, he was huh. in the post many months ago. He had a post about the leg vice and he was talking about how he wanted to shape it to do something. He figured he should make it look like something related to woodworking. So he made it look like the end of a chisel and it came out pretty neat. Cool. Um, and this is his most recent post is just called workbench finishing. And it's about him finishing the project and finally being done with the bench and being able to use it. Um, it was just a nice post wrapping up benches and I'm just a sucker for benches. So I thought it was a good post. <laughs> Nice. Well, it's always that milestone, you know, you hit the end of a project and you're like, am I done? Am I really done? And then you know, there it is. It's it's sitting there. It's waiting for you. It's 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 kind of a big deal. You know, you get to that end. It's like you want to break a bottle of champagne over it, christen it and send it on its way. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Well, Ian, you know, if you get a chance to have yourself a double-double and a crawler from uh, Timmy Hortons on that bench to break it for us. And uh, we want pictures, okay, when you do that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And Ian, if you if you hear this, Ian, I'll buy you a beer in New Haven. That's a nice bench. And speaking <laughs> nice. of uh, speaking of New Haven, um, yeah, F- Fine Woodworking uh, Live is not this weekend, but the next, which is August the uh, what it starts on August the eighth, I guess, is sign in and yeah. stuff on Thursday. And August then, the eighth of Thursday is where right. we start, and then the ninth, tenth, and eleventh it'll be. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to be heading up there, and Yami's heading up as well. Of course, I'm not sure how much you're going to be there, but You'll I will be there. Yeah, either either I'll I'll pretend I'm you and I'll show up at one in the morning on Friday night, Saturday morning, or I'll be there at like eight a.m. on Saturday. But uh, this Saturday I'm going away for a week and I won't be home until late Friday night, so I'm not going to make it up to Connecticut till Saturday morning. Well, if if anybody that's listening is going to be up there, um, they are doing a they're doing a build off up there on Friday night, and I believe it's uh, seven to nine thirty. They're doing it. And basically, there's just going to be some teams. Um, they're going to give you a couple of tools and some wood. My my guess is it's probably going to be a two by four or something. And they're going to say go to town and build a project. Um, when and I think the prize is you get to keep the tools your 
you're using or something like that. Yeah, you get to keep the tools. You're going to be written up in the right. magazine, and um, and apparently you get bragging rights. So uh, whoever's but, coming um, up there needs to join my team, and we're going to have the MWA team, and we'll we'll see who all we've got. But uh, we've so far had a couple of guys volunteering on it, so I'm not sure exactly what all the rules and stuff, but uh, it sounds like a lot of fun. So if you're going to be around, make sure you uh, you get up with me when we get up there, and uh, and let's let's uh, let's have fun with this. So absolutely. And remember, if anybody knows they're going to be there, go on to modern woodworkers association.com. There's a post from Tuesday, July 23rd. It's called help us dominate the fine woodworking live build off. And if you click on that post, there's actually a sign up. And what, what we're going to do is probably middle and next week, send out an email to everybody who signed up and organize as many teams as we can. They're four person teams. So hopefully we can get a couple teams put together so that on Friday night you can all hook up and we'll have a, we'll be ready to go and we'll have to argue about who's on what team because I can't believe that there's going to be that many organized teams there. Uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that this is going to be more guys making teams as they show up. So I think that's going to give us the advantage to know we're a team when we show up and, uh, and I expect us to dominate it. I want to come back in Sunday, uh, Saturday morning and find that you guys kicked ass on Friday night. And, and look, we figure the more teams that we can get there, the better chances of ours, us not embarrassing ourselves. So, or completely <laughs> embarrassing ourselves, whichever way that may go. Hey, listen, I want you guys to be filling all the spots on the podium, gold, silver, and bronze. Okay? That's right. So let's, let's, let's do the WIA proud here. And uh, let's say the NWA proud here. And let's get all those, get all those folks out there. And, you know, let, let's see if we can, we can build something worthwhile. You got it. And get those, get those bragging rights. Now, the man of the hour, the person who needs no introduction, but we're going to introduce him anyway. Um, our guest for this evening is Mark Spagnuolo, the Wood Whisperer. Uh, Mark, how you doing, man? Oh, I almost fell asleep. Sorry. <laughs> oh, we we just, tend to do that to they, people. They, they, we, have the, we have the effect on folks, and we're pretty successful. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's pretty cool. It's like when uh, the old school radio station where you would call, and they put you on hold. You think you're on the show, and you're like, hello, hello? And they're, the DJ's just talking and talking because they haven't unmuted you yet. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm doing good, guys. It's great uh, listening to the show firsthand here. Nice. Well, thanks for coming on. We uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. You know, we we kind of uh, you you've, you guys have kind of set the uh, set the standard for the the, the podcast here. So we're uh, we just make a mess of the backside of it. So thanks for coming on. <laughs> well, thanks thanks for having me. And I wanted to thank you guys for putting up a post today about the the book pre order too. I really appreciate that. Yep. Oh, we're happy well, to share it. Well, Mark, before we get into the big stuff, let's let's go back to the beginning. So let's oh, let's boy. go back to before the days of the Wood Whisperer. And I, I I think out of the three of us here, I'm the only one who knows you from those days. I and, think you're and, the only one listening who even knows me from those days. <laughs> you see, here we go. So it's 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 it, it, picture yourself on a boat on a river. Back in back in 2005, there was a guy named Mark Spagnuolo, this this Italian American dude from Jersey. Sounds like <laughs> sounds very familiar. And he's at this woodworking school in Cloverdale, Indiana. And and I, I was invited to come up and take a class from him. Who is this guy? And, and what what was he doing at this point? Fill us in, Mark. Wow. At that time, uh, shoot, I think I had quit my job. So I was doing the woodworking stuff full time uh, as a business. I was building furniture at the time, but it was the, the teaching thing that really got me excited. And I think I was just trying to make ends meet at that time, trying to make a mortgage payment. And I would just uh, take just about any job I could get. And uh, if I could make a few hundred bucks teaching on a weekend and they'd fly me out, I would say, heck, yes, let's do it. Um, so that's that's really where I was at that point, just trying to build up my furniture business. Well, now you, Mark, can I, can I push the boat back the river a little bit more? <laughs> sure. Uh, I know, I know you started in biotech, and we certainly don't need to, to tell everybody about that, though. That would certainly yeah. be a lot more interesting than woodworking. Um, but <laughs> from from the biotech through teaching Tom to you know where you are now with the Woodbrisper, how did that? What was the arc of that journey? Well. You really have to to consider that working with the with Tom is like the pinnacle of anyone's career. Right. Oh, shut the hell up! We, so we all only, feel that way. It's only downhill from there, really. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was, you know, honestly, it was one of the coolest 
experiences, I think, you know, it really defines my life at this point is because I, I turned my back to something that I had originally set my goal as like, this was going to be my thing. Biotech was what I did for a living and I was just going to do the best I could. And suddenly I do this whole 180 degree turn into woodworking, which I didn't really have a strong background in. And I'm, I'm making a go of it. It was, uh, it was kind of a freaky feeling at the time. And, and at, at the point that I went to Indiana to teach uh, and, and really hang out with Tom, <laughs> I don't know if I would call it teaching, um, but yeah, there wasn't really a lot of teaching going on. It was more goofing around. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, it was really a, a defining experience for me and, and a great opportunity to meet someone who I had uh, way back in the, um, uh, what the heck was the forum called, Tom? Oh, it was, uh, it was the uh, uh, Woodworkers Website Association, woodworking.org. Yeah, there you go. And, uh, you know, there was we met on that forum years ago, and Tom was always a really nice guy, and I think we, we connected uh, very well in, in the forum, and it was just uh, great to meet him in person. Um, and I think that just, uh, to me, that experience of going and teaching there was one of the things that allowed me to continue to teach because, you know, how a lot of this stuff goes in any field, it's, it's a matter of um, a lot of times it's who you know, and someone has to let mm -hmm. you in the door first. And, uh, and they allowed me to teach at a time when no one know, knew who the heck I was. They just went on uh, probably Tom and um, Gail's recommendation, Gail O'Rourke. Uh, and they, they recommended me and they said, yeah, we'll take a shot. So it's someone taking a shot on you that really um, gives you the, the, the stepping stone that you can use to, to go to something else. So, yeah, very defining moment for me. Well, the, the funny thing, Mark, was that, you know, I mean, the door was only open just to crack. But you, I mean, as 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 a woodworking <laughs> personality, you burst through that thing. And, I and it has my big butt through. And, and well, it's not big, man. Could be look at you. You got to see me to see to, to figure out what big is. Um, but well, you, you, I mean, you you launched. I mean, from that point, it was it was like standing, you know, at the launch pad at Kennedy Space yeah. Center waiting for the launch to happen. And after that, the, it was just straight up. It wasn't any sort of like, well, halting advances. It was, it was it, what impressed me the most, Mark, was that your personality and your acumen allowed you to move from that to a point a year later where it was, it was, it was old hat to you. Seriously, I felt like there was a big move there at that point. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad it appeared that way from the outside because from the inside, <laughs> it looked like I had no idea what the hell I was doing, where I was well, going to get my next uh, paycheck from. <laughs> that's how we all go through life. Come on. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, I mean, we we just kind of and, and still to this day, I really focus on just I don't know. It's a lot of conversations with my wife, figuring out like what is the best thing for us to do here, trying to ignore a lot of the white noise that's around us and make the best decision for ourselves. And even at that very early stage, it was just the determination to to keep doing what we love to do and going on the feedback that I'm getting from people like, oh, this is funny. This is not funny. Um, trying to sort through that and figure out what people really want to see and um i don't know we're just uh, we're just hard workers you know and uh e even now our living situation has changed dramatically one of the biggest challenges of my life is not being able to throw myself into my work 100 percent of the time um with a kid now you just can't do that um he is the most important thing now um and work is now secondary so it's right. it's an adjustment you know, and one of the things that's interesting is is just you know how much things have changed, and you know you you kind of started out in all this way back you know in in the infancy of the you know online woodworking kind of movement and sure. stuff there, and and uh, you know how how has this changed in the way that you have you you do things now that you know in the beginning there wasn't really anybody else out much out there you were kind of on your your own little island and promoting it but now i mean you go online and there's just i mean there's a billion blogs there's no way that you can possibly keep up and then go to youtube and youtube's just about as heavy with with uh with woodworkers and stuff how has that changed the way that you've kind of you know looked at it and and approached it it's something that we have to constantly evaluate because the landscape is changing. Um, we have folks who tell us, I mean, even in the beginning, people told us, you're nuts for doing a video longer than five minutes. Um, and our videos, you know, project videos, you guys know how they are. They could be uh, 25 minutes, 40 minutes, depending on who's, uh, who's running the uh, camera. So, you know, even then they told us that you really have to go shorter, but we ignored it and kept pushing forward with longer form. And now it's even more pressure to go with shorter form videos, especially if you want to do anything successfully on YouTube. 
and uh, and it's feeding this sort of low attention span uh, sort of audience that's out there. And we have gone back and forth trying to decide, do we want to be on that wave or don't we? Because it truly is. I mean, you look at people like uh, Steve Ramsey um, at Mere right. Mortals and, mm-hmm. and um, uh, Matthias Wendell and people who are really just kicking ass on, on YouTube. And you look at the format that they use, and it's a very short form, uh, very well edited, good, they're well put together videos and visually pleasing, but they're quick and right. they're fast and they're built for those people who are going to go from that video to watching a cat lick his stuff. Um, you, know, to, you know what I mean? So they're, they're cruising through a lot of content and it's content like that that's built for that audience and they are harnessing it and they're kicking butt in the process. So we have to make that decision. Do we go in that same route or do we hold true to what we've always done? And frankly, I think our thing is educating people and it's education first, but if we can entertain them along the way, that's the bonus as opposed to let's build this for entertainment and then hope that we can educate them as a side, prod, uh, you know, a side effect of that. Um, so, so the landscape is totally changing. It always keeps us on our toes, and we constantly have to make decisions about. We see these, uh, we observe these sort of trends happening. Do we jump on this, or do we leave it alone? Um, and you guys know you experienced the whole thing with Google Hangouts. Um, you are now back on on Skype, and yep. it's like, well, some things just aren't as good as as some of the older stuff. So it doesn't always pay to jump directly into the newest and greatest thing, uh, because sometimes the old stuff is actually better. You know, so so it's it's definitely a changing landscape, and it's one that uh, I don't think I'll ever completely understand. You know, it's something we're always trying to figure out as we go. No, you're right. It is very dynamic and just changing all the time. So it does make it difficult. Yeah. And you know, it's and and one of the things I've always uh, kind of commented with towards you and stuff is just. You know, we we are so much smaller. So I mean, the the amount that we actually have to deal with and stuff, but just dealing, you know, and just understanding. And it's there's 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 two sides of it. I mean, we want to, you know, we want to give people what they want to hear, and you want to to be able to reach out to people. But you know, there's the other side. You know, it's so difficult to please everyone. So uh, <laughs> you know, we we struggle with that. And so I I know with your exposure, you get get much more of that. But uh, that that's always a challenge, especially when you're in an open forum like the internet where it's just yeah. you know it's just free for anybody to, to put any content they want out there so it's it, it is one of the biggest challenges that I face because I do take things personally um, everything I put online has my my heart in it right. and uh, it, it's a creation whether it's a piece of furniture I've built or a video that I've crafted um, it's something that I've made and I'm proud of it so when someone on YouTube says oh this guy's an idiot you know he, he doesn't know what he's talking about or just some random comment I actually, you know, more than I should probably ever admit, that stuff bugs the hell out of me. And um, right. so much, so much so, like in my world, one negative comment, I need about 50 positive comments to erase that negative comment in my mind. I, 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 I'm the same way. I cannot, like, the, you know, we in the YouTube, people go on, or not YouTube, but the. Uh, iTunes people leave comments and I, I can't even read them because it bothers yeah. me so bad. If somebody puts something negative, it kills me. So, uh, well, well, I, I mean, take the it thing personally. Keep, see, and, and here's the great thing. I can give great advice about this. I'm just not going to follow it myself because <laughs> <laughs> it's, e- it's easier said than done. Uh, the fact is it's the, the whole squeaky wheel concept. And the reality is most yep. of the people who listen to what you do, they like it, but they don't feel compelled to say anything to you. They just enjoy it and they go, about their day. Sure. There's a very small percentage of cranky people who are going to complain, and then there's another small percentage of people who will compliment you. The right. vast majority of people listening enjoy what you do, and they don't feel like they need to pat you on the back and give you a, you know, a treat because no, you did well. Right. No, you're exactly you know? there. That's why I quit looking at them because I figure, you know what, there's people. Somebody enjoys it, so if yeah. there's one person does, but, uh, <laughs> success. I think we, we years ago our goal. Yeah, years ago, Kyle Barton of uh, Short Bus Woodworking, before he had the blog, um, he made the comment that he was a self-described content whore and that he was one of the masses who just consumed all the content but didn't really comment one way or the other. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and I, I try to think about how many times I've done it. And be, because of my experience as a podcaster, I've actually become a little bit more vocal when I follow a podcast that I really enjoy um, or if they have a donation thing that I could set up, uh, you know, recurring donation or something for a podcast I listen to all the time. I'll do that um, because I want to give them some sort of encouragement because, you know what, it counts. <laughs> you know, when these people are busting their butt to right. make free free content for you, it's nice to hear a thank you, you know, and uh, and, and I think giving that to people is uh, is important, so – it, it really is. A, a couple of years ago, oh, I'm sorry, I'm going to cut you off for a second. Oh, a couple of years ago, Steve Taylor of uh, was it Taylor's Garage. Um, he made a comment about for whatever month it was, every time he read someone's blog, he was going to make a comment. Um, yeah. And I, I don't think he's kept up with it. And I remember that every once in a while, and I try to leave a bunch of comments. It's it's hard because it's so easy to just consume it and not leave the comments. And half the time, I don't know how people consume, but half the time I'm consuming, I'm not even in a format where I could comment. I'd have to you know, switch the actual blog page rather than the reader or something like that. Um, yeah. But if you can do that, if you get a chance, if you like what somebody says, just leave a comment. That's half the reason why we mention um, the you know, MWA members' blog posts in the beginning of the show is, I mean, this whole show doesn't amount to a hill of beans, but – we like talking about the stuff, and people enjoy when we talk about their post. It, it just it fosters the whole community, I think. So if people who are listening can leave a comment or put a rating or just give some feedback to the people producing the content, it means a lot. Yeah, yeah, it makes you feel good. And ultimately, there's sites where I've read articles, and I'm like, oh, this is a really good write-up. And it's you know maybe a two-week-old article, and I look down at the bottom, and there's no comments. And it just makes me wonder, like, what what is this person doing wrong that they're right. not engaging the community to to have some sort of dialogue? I mean, because really, that's that's the key to what we do here. Is you know we all love woodworking, and it's the thing that's bringing us together. We have this great place where we can talk to each other and communicate back and forth. So I think it's important when you put this content out that you do it in a way that makes people want to respond and be a part of what you do. So there's always, you know, as the person producing the content, that's on you to make sure that you're saying, hey, come over to the site, comment, ask us questions. And if you're engaging consistently, it tends to build a lot more of that uh, community feedback. It does. Hey, Mark, this is actually an excellent segue into the next question I wanted to ask. You mm-hmm. know, they're, they're, uh, the three of us uh, on, the, on the podcast right now all are woodworking bloggers. Um, Diami alluded to the fact that there are a bunch of woodworking blogs out there. And in, I think in many ways, your blog uh, launched, you, you have the blog that launched a thousand other blogs. Uh, you know, it, it, I mean, I know for for one, it was in, in the history of Tom's workbench we've we've I've written extensively about. But you, you, the way you even encouraged me to get started at the beginning, I had no idea what blogging was about, and now I'm six years down and 1,200 posts into it. And yeah, I know I'm prolific. Um, but the the thing is, you know, what what does that mean to you when you look at these blogs that would have never existed had you not, you know, encouraged, um, led the way? kind of served as a model for all these people. What does, it, what does it mean to you? I mean, personally, you know, we're not, we're not all like tribute to Mark Spagnuolo blogs, but, it's, but there are a lot of people who have never even thought about putting word one up on the internet without looking at the wood whisperer. What, what does it mean to you personally? Um, you know, honestly, I guess I don't give myself that much credit. Um, I, I think these people had that in them, and if it wasn't me that inspired them to do it, then someone else would have. Um, I Matt. just. Yeah, exactly. It was not. It's all Matt's fault. Um, But ultimately, I think they would have come across someone. Someone would have done this and it would have picked up and they would have, you know, gotten a lot of attention and inspired other people. And even today, I mean, you guys are inspiring people. It's this never ending sort of a a chain reaction of blogs inspiring other bloggers. Um, So so I guess I don't know. I don't really think about it that way, Tom. So for me, it's not something I have to be like, whoa, you know, this is pretty deep. Look at look at what we did. I honestly don't even know what total impact we've had uh, on the community in that way. Um, well, but uh, if, uh, if, uh, if, if, that's, if there's any truth to it, then I'm, I'm honored by it. <laughs> you know. Well, let, let, um, let me let me read to you. Let me read you an email. It just just I mean seriously, just came in. I've got it on my phone here. Eric Rush, who's a woodworker in Central Florida, he's in he's uh, in the Orlando yeah. area. We know we know it. each other. We actually we, we run into each other at, at the woodworking shows. Mm-hmm. Okay, this the email he just sent me. Okay, so he's just another skinny brat from Jersey, but it's pretty cool having my sculpted box show up on this projects page, thewoodwhisperer.com. Mark, Mark, maybe you don't, maybe I don't expect you to stand there in the middle of the street and say, hey, look at me, what I've done. But there are people who may not even have taken that first step. 
Had it not been for you, for your support from Nicole, for your support for other people to get started, man. This is this is a big deal. I think you need to take it. I think you need to take a moment and pat yourself on the back. It's just uh it's all just atoms colliding together and things are just happening. I don't not, I mean, not that you've been put on the spot here, Mark, or anything. I mean, I think, yeah, yeah. What Tom's trying to tell you, Mark, is in Cincinnati we're gonna hold you down and make you enjoy it. Yes. <laughs> enjoy yeah, it. We no. will. I don't know. See, I think part of the thing is I'm, I like being the scrappy underdog. And I, I think one of the challenges that, that I face going forward with this is coming to terms with the fact that I'm not the underdog anymore. And um, th- there was a great quote, oddly enough, by Tim, Tim Allen. I was uh, watching an interview series that uh, was on TV. Uh, yeah. And uh, he, he was using a, a race analogy to, to just basically how you judge your performance in life. And he's like, you know, when you're racing, if you're looking at the guy behind you, you can't see what's coming. And if you look at the person in front of you, you're going to make the same mistakes they do because you drift and follow where they are. So the key to winning is to you know, run your own race. And that's something that you know, people say all the time. But we, it's explained in that particular way is don't worry about the people who you think are doing better than you. Don't worry about the people who aren't doing as well as you. Do your own thing. Keep going forward. Stay true to your heart. And then suddenly you'll look around and realize there's no one else around you. They're all behind you. You know, and it's that that kind of mentality that we try to try to keep in mind as we go forward. So I don't necessarily gauge myself against anyone else, or look around and say, "Wow, who who have I influenced?" Um, you know, I see lots of cutting boards, and that's always funny. You know, that's a funny <laughs> thing to say. The site that launched a thousand cutting boards. Um, you know, but ultimately, we all have our our points of inspiration. For me, primarily, it's David Marks and. Um, you know, so I, a lot of these people can owe a gratitude to him because if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have done anything that I've done. Interesting point. Hey, and, and speaking of woodworking, you know, we, we, we've kind of talked a lot about the, just kind of the whole internet and all that kind of stuff, but, but getting mm-hmm. to woodworking, I mean, one of the interesting things that, you know, we do try to think about and, and, you know, most people that listen to this out there are going to be hobbyist woodworkers. Yeah. And, you know, as a hobbyist woodworker, it's, it's always a challenge to balance you know, your, your day job and some time in the shop. And then, you know, one of the interesting things about you though, is, is most of your projects, you know, unlike us, we do some posts and things on, on some stuff we do, but you video everything you, you build, Mm -hmm. you know, how do, how do you really keep efficient in your woodworking because of that? I mean, that's, you know, because you're going to have so much more time recording and, and do you take some projects that you just do as a hobbyist woodworker and, and build without recording? I don't because I feel super guilty just as a business owner. To me, anything that I build that I don't document in some way is a lost opportunity. Um, so my guilt doesn't let me do that. But I've, I've come to, uh, to think of my camera as the old ball and chain. And uh, it, I, I have to drag it around the shop with me. It slows me down. It causes me to think things out more thoroughly than I usually do. Um, the interesting thing about that, though, is because I'm filming, because I'm teaching this to someone else, I actually, as far as like the, the, the project from start to finish and the steps that I take to get there, I'm actually more organized because I have to be. If I'm disorganized, then the video comes out like crap. Um, so, so it does make me more organized, but it takes a ton more effort to get to the finish line on a project because of this incorporation of the, the filming process and having to, I mean, can you imagine you're in the middle of a project and you're by yourself and in every little step that you do, you go, okay, I'm going to explain this to, to nobody, you know, it's like, <laughs> right. it, but it's a total different way of thinking. And I guess now after about seven years of doing this, it's just second nature to me. And I'm probably about as fast as I'm going to be with this process, uh, but it is challenging. I do really miss the days when I could just go into the shop, turn on the video, listen to some podcasts. Uh, Cause think about it when you're filming all the time, you can't really just have a set of earbuds in listening to music or, or a show that you like. Um, so my podcast listening is not quite, or, or even audiobook listening is not quite where I would want it to be just because I'm constantly uh, mic'd up and, and getting ready to film something. So it, it's a difficult way to go. It's not quite, I mean, it's satisfying putting the video out, but it is not quite as satisfying as a woodworker. It's, uh, definitely hampers my progress in, in the grand scheme of things as a woodworker. How's that hmm. changed for you? Because you know, I can I can tell you, I've 
I've tried to film a few of my projects and, uh, you know, it's <laughs> always a challenge. I mean, it just yeah. seems like it's always such a challenge in, in doing that. Was, was there, was there a big learning curve in doing that or was it something you just kind of took to naturally? Uh, I think in the beginning, uh, it was a little bit challenging, but ultimately I think just having a, a mindset as an, I'm not an, I won't call myself an educator, but when I was working in biotech, I found myself quickly in a, a managerial position. So I was training a lot and there's just something about training people in a topic that I'm uh, passionate about that appeals to me. And, and I think some of it is just naturally the way I think it, I'm able to explain something in a, maybe a complicated topic that uh, I could explain it in a way that's not so complicated or, or change it and make it in terms that people understand. Um, I think that part may be the only part of it that comes natural. Uh, the rest of it is just um, habit after doing it for so long and, and practicing. I mean, really, I, I practiced on the public you know, for like, <laughs> I mean, even today I make improvements on, on my process, my editing, and, and I'm learning as I go. So, um, you know, I'm sure even a year or two from now, what the show looks like will probably be pretty different than what it looks like today. Right. But that's one of the advantages of being a leader in the field, whether you're you know, cognizant of it or not, is that as you're learning things, so is everybody else. So it doesn't, you don't look like this newbie who's just figuring <laughs> out. You're the first one doing it. It's fantastic. Yeah, well, let me, let me tell you a little secret about being the first one. In the woodworking world, we're generally a year or two be. Well, it's, it's getting better. I have to say it's getting better because there's a lot more woodworkers online and a lot more young woodworkers online. So it's not quite as big of a deficit as there was. But in the beginning, there were a lot of podcasts doing this type of thing, this whole podcasting thing, uh, well before we even thought about it. So what I did was I took inspiration from other areas of interest and brought that into the woodworking world. So the funny thing is it's like, you know, you could see someone as a leader, but in reality, it's like the, the tech industry are the ones where you really watch what they're doing, watch what they're using, uh, watch what services they, they typically use, watch what uh, technologies they use. And if it's successful there, chances are it's going to trickle down to our arena as well. So it's like you know, when, I, when, I, when I hear the whole like leading thing, to me, I still have my eye on what other industries are doing and cherry picking what I think might be useful for us to bring to our audience. Right. No, that's good points. Well, I mean, you, you do, you get into so many of these things and we do tend to think, you know, I can imagine when you first got into it, you know, there was really no, one of the things about a lot of bloggers and things now is, is you end up getting so many friends that are woodworkers and stuff that are on social media and doing other blogs. You know, if you write something, you know, somebody's going to read it because you've mm -hmm. got, you know, 500 people on Twitter that, that your, your buddies with, and a couple of those guys are going to read it. But, you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, when you started, you go, even when I started my blog a, a few years ago, I didn't have that much on. And it's like, who's going to read this? Is I'm not going to write and read it myself. Yeah. But. yeah, it's a weird feeling because you really do feel like you're talking to nobody. Right. Um, but then suddenly one comment comes in and then you get an email. And then uh, next thing you know, there's a community uh, built around your content. Um, you know, and then it can really happen to any of us. It's uh, it's a pretty pretty interesting situation. Mm. Now, it's, you, it's this weird mix, though. It's, sorry to interrupt you, Chris, but it's there is this great community, and that that's it's warming, and you f you feel like you're not alone. But at the same time, there's a certain um, it, it, it's it does feel like you're talking yourself. Like I'm I'm failing to put this into words properly. But when you're <laughs> when you're writing the post and Diami's putting it getting out, choked up. Yeah, it's just um, When you write the post, you put it out. At some point, it's almost like um, like you're just talking with yourself. But then once it does go out, you get the community. So it's it's not quite a conversation through a blog post. It's a conversation through the comments. Um, I think that some of that just putting it down and putting it out in the ether and wondering what happens to it is true, even when you are getting lots of conversation, if that made any sense. Yeah, and I think this is something that I'm just anxious to see how all this develops. I mean, clearly, the landscape, the selection of uh, podcasts and blogs that we have to read now is so different than it was five or six years ago. And I'm just interested to see where it's going because now so many blogs are out there. There's so much, uh, for lack of a better phrase, there's so much white noise in the world of woodworking now that how does someone with a new blog it get noticed by anybody? 
you know, and it actually is a very interesting thing to to observe. And you see some of these new guys come along. Do they get discouraged if they don't, you know, sort of have this, um, you know, this path to fitness? Or do they just have this passion for what they do? And whether someone reads it or not, they're going to continue doing it. Uh, but it's uh, very interesting as someone who tries to navigate this stuff uh, myself. It's fun for me to watch how the, the community is growing over time. And are we, you know, going to reach a breaking point where then nobody's blogs are getting read because there's just too much out there, you know, it's an interesting right. thing. Well, I think Mark, that there, as uh, the no, go on, Tom. Okay, yeah, Mark, but I, but I think in the in the same token, we've actually talked about this in the past. If you're writing because you think you're just going to try to drive as many people to your site as possible, maybe you're not doing mm-hmm. it for the right reason. Maybe if yeah. it's it, but if it's something where if if I can write my blog and if nobody reads it, I'm still satisfied with what I'm putting out. Then maybe that's the reason why I should be blogging in the first place. Because I'm yeah. just putting it out there, and you know, really, there are days that I, I, you know, I look at the number of people that read my blog, and some days the numbers are really low, but it doesn't matter to me because I put it out there for the record, and it's just, it's just something that you know, it satisfies me. I like to write, I like to work, I put it out, and guess what? It, it, it's the kind of thing that at that point, it's like this is important to me. Yeah, I, I get quite a few emails from people who will. They're, they basically are asking for help. They want to do a podcast, something like what we do. They want to make money from it, and they want the keys to the castle. And they say, you know, what, what do I need to do to get sponsors? And I'm like, well, what's the what's the link to your blog? Let me see a couple of your episodes. Oh, I haven't done any yet. <laughs> and to me, that's that's the ultimate putting the cart before the horse. Because in this in this arena, you truly, as Tom said, you have to be tenacious and passionate about what you do so that you would write or do that podcast, whether you were getting paid or not. And if you can do that for a long period of time and sustain it, you know, eventually you probably will start making money. But if you start out that way with your eye on the dollar bills, you're never going to succeed. I mean, I guess I can't say never because anything's possible, but ultimately if you're not starting with the passion, um, it's very difficult to keep going because you will probably never make enough money from it. Um, you know, there's certain jobs you just take on, even if it's, uh, you know, because you have to, um, you just ask yourself, is it really worth this much money? Well, this is like another job that you're creating for yourself, oh, if, yeah. especially if you're trying to make it full time and you look at it and go, what is the, the value proposition? Is this worth it for $50 in AdSense revenue this month? Yeah, and I think that's the problem is these people immediately want to contact a sponsor. And it's like, dude, seriously, sponsors are nothing more than advertisers uh, with a closer relationship with you. They want to see numbers. And if you don't have a show, then you have nothing to offer them. Um, But ultimately, my advice to these people is always – just do it. Don't wait for someone to pay you to do it. Do it. And that's the passion that you're going to need to, to even think about making a few bucks from this, this new hobby of yours. Words of wisdom. Words of uh, wisdom, Mark. If you, don't, if, you don't, I mean, if you don't have the passion for it, it's just going to be a pain in the butt. Yeah, and it'll be transparent to, to the readers, too. With, within, within, yeah, think, a, within two weeks, it'll be transparent. Right. They'll chew you that's, apart. <laughs> The passion is the biggest thing. I think more than skill, more than the actual ability to write, more than woodwork knowledge, what really permeates most of the blogs is just the passion to do the woodworking. Yeah. And if you don't have the passion, why are you doing it? Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, to uh, to move from, from blogs to a more formal form of writing, I uh, hear you've written a bookmark. That is the rumor. <laughs> That's what they tell me. <laughs> You want, you want to, you want to tell, tell us about tell it? Tell us about it. Come on. Tell the suspense is killing us. Oh, well, I was, I was, yeah, I was going to read an excerpt dramatically for you guys, but. Uh... <laughs> and now <laughs> yeah, the reading. Hey, yeah, can this, we do the audio version? Yeah, we actually record it right now if you want to. It's uh, only 192 pages. It shouldn't take long. <laughs> shouldn't take long. Um, it was a dark yeah, the, the, night. <laughs> it was a very hot and dry night in Arizona. <laughs> it, uh, the, the book is called Hybrid Woodworking. And it's, uh, I like to say it's nothing new because ultimately hybrid woodworking is what I think most of us will probably aspire to achieve in our woodworking. And that's a good, solid combination that we find gratifying that mixes hand tools and power tools in whatever way we want to. Um, What I lay out in the book is sort of a a blueprint for the way that I like to do things and the hand tools that I find to be complementary to my power tools. And, uh, 
and it's just something that I just expanded on as much as I could. Um, I, although I can talk a lot and put a lot of words into a podcast, um, writing is definitely not my strong suit. I, I always struggle with that. So trying to put this in a true book-worthy format uh, was a big challenge for me. But the topic, like I said, hybrid woodworking, and it is coming out in November and uh, we just launched a pre-order on our website. You guys blogged about it today uh, at hybridwoodworker.com, and you can get a little bit of Wood Whisperer Guild subscription time as a pre-order early bird bonus, which is pretty cool. So, it is a sweet yeah. deal. And I also believe you get um, – now, is it your signature, or can we get the signature – can we get Nicole's signature on the book since she's really the power back there? <laughs> yeah. She, uh, she, will, she will autograph anything you want autographed. You just have to ask for it. Um, <laughs> Even your boobs, if you want those done. So, but yeah, it's a you know it's a big family thing over here. We've had a couple people request everybody, like me, Nicole, um, my mom, my stepdad, like everybody that works for the business, uh, to sign the book because they know that they all have, in one way, even indirectly, uh, they all have something to do <laughs> with the writing of this book. Um, because ultimately, I mean, you guys know I've got a, a young toddler, and um, he you know he could be a challenge, and he's very time consuming, and uh, I had to get this book written in a period of about about four months, uh, which literally meant uh, every single day with no breaks for a four-month period. And also, of course, I had to do all the photography myself. So this was uh, one of the most challenging things in my life. And if it wasn't for my family there to like take up the slack, to, to take the, the boy to the zoo, which I always hated missing, um, <laughs> it, it, everything would have fallen apart. I wouldn't have been able to do something like a book. Um, so yeah, my family has a, a, a hell of a lot to do with the reason I can get things done these days. Yeah, I... Having ha having kids, I understand how to balance one job with them. But what really amazed <laughs> me about you writing the book was the fact that you have Mateo, you wrote the book, and somehow you managed to keep the wood whisperer up and going. <laughs> yeah, and, and look, it's Mark, all a great illusion. <laughs> and, and Mark, I've, I've got to tell you that when when uh, when when you guys announced that that uh, you know you, you were going to be having a baby, and you're kind of like, oh, things are going to be keeping going normal. <laughs> we were all in the background going. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You just wait. You just wait. Yeah. <laughs> so, so nobody's going to say we told you so, Mark, but you know. <laughs> but we hey, well, 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 we had kids before we started saying things on the record on the internet. That's right. <laughs> right. We, we right, all right, right. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, that, that is the biggest challenge. I, I don't I, – I really – unless I'm under the gun with a particular project, I don't work Saturday and Sunday, and I don't work after 5. So that's a, that's a big challenge, and I still have all the same aspirations I had before. I still have all the same things. I want to burn every candle I've got at both ends, and the problem is my candles are now shorter. <laughs> so it's like uh, it, it's a lot harder to fit all the things in that I want to accomplish, and then that's just uh, that's just the the water I have to navigate at this point uh, is figuring out how to keep all this going, how to keep a free site going that's uh, got some good sponsors on it, how to keep a you know a, a group of paying customers in the guild, how to keep them happy. What's more important, the free site, the guild site? Um, I'm just one person, you know. So uh, so I mean the bottom line is now uh, although we do have a kid, this is the family's livelihood. So when it comes time to work and something has to get done, this, you know, this is the priority. Um, and well, I mean, I don't tell my son, my son is the priority. That's always the case, but um, it's not like my wife has a job to back us up like she used to. So the dynamic yeah. within the family has, right. has adjusted to, to put the wood whisperer at a much higher point than, than it might've been and before. One of those priorities for him is giving him food and shelter, which requires you <laughs> working for it. <laughs> yeah, it does. He is expensive. But, but you know what, Mark, though? I mean, it's the kind of thing that you have to understand that. And, and really this is the, the thing that, you're going to appreciate later when that when when Mateo grows up is that you've done this all together as part of the same yeah. team. And you mm -hmm. know when you, when you look back and you're not you're not an old guy like me yet, but you'll be there one day. And I'm you'll look old. back and you'll say, yeah, I'm, I'm the oldest one in the room right now. Um, oh man! You'll look back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got the gray hairs to prove it. Um, <laughs> but you'll look back. You'll say, Wow, you know, we we did this as a team. We did this as a family. And it's going to be something that's a bigger accomplishment than somebody just goes out does something, you know, drives his Ferrari or whatever and, and, and but loses doesn't have that connection with the family from what he loves. 
Oh, totally. And I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, ultimately, my, my family has always been a very tight-knit group. Uh, my grandfather owned a little fishing tackle store in uh, in Trenton, New Jersey. And every time trout season would start, this was this was like before like Sportsman Center and Kmart started to have a big uh, sports presence uh, for sporting goods. And they would just crowd this little store, and there would be just people out the door for days. And we would all just gather together as a family. I'd be in the back packing worms and you know, licking trout stamps and putting them on licenses and stuff. And it was, you know, that's how our family has always been. Um, and this is just, you know, sort of, it kind of makes me feel like honoring my grandfather because he was self-employed, ran his own business and took care of our family. Um, and now oddly enough, that's, that's kind of what I'm doing at this point. My, my parents are retired. Uh, my wife now works for the business and it is becoming that sort of family business where I need every one of them um, because mm-hmm. they're free labor, you know, so <laughs> <laughs> I really need these people, you know, okay, uh, but then get back in there with the, with the best parents, you sweep it. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Uh, although Nicole's expensive, she does she just charge a fee. So, <laughs> all right. So, <laughs> all right. So, so Mark, we we yeah. uh, we we ask every every person that comes on the show. We've got our five questions that are completely random, when we could not find anything else to answer. So, uh, so okay. getting started with those. Uh, the first question on that is, how did you get into woodworking? I got into woodworking as a hobby when I was working in a boring biotech job and I'd come home every night and just tinker around in the shop. And it was really seeing an episode of Woodworks with David Marks. And then I also got into the New Yankee Workshop. But it was really David's approach to woodworking. New Yankee Workshop was the woodworking that I already knew about. It was David Marks that showed me a type of woodworking that I'd never seen before and woods I've never seen before. And that's what opened my eyes to what a woodworker could be. So that was when it all started. And, uh, you know, it just kind of went, uh, went nuts from there. Great. Well, Mark, what is your favorite tool? Be it right now or of all time, doesn't really matter. Talk to us about a tool you love. A tool that I love. Uh, you know, I'm a big fan of my rasps. And I used to rely on an older Nicholson number, was it 49 or 50 40. rasp, something like that. And um, mm-hmm. and then I recently just decided to plunk down the cash for the, um, I don't know, how, Arayu? 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 Bob Lang told us it was Arayu. Bob told us last time. Arayu? Okay, good, good, good. Are you? Yeah, Arayu rasps. And those things are just, uh, they're just a dream to use. And and I find that the the rasp is the thing that was a, once I understood how to use it, it, it really represented a pivotal point in my woodworking when I broke out of the world of square and joined the uh, joined the world of curves and, uh, and and soft edges and things like that. So so for me, the rasp is definitely up there as as a favorite tool. Nice. I, I like hey, uh, Mark, I know we probably covered this already, but who's influenced you the most? You, Tom. Thank you, Mark. Aww. It makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> can, can, can we just hold hands for a moment and say kumbaya? <laughs> yes. That's the highlight. Of, this is the pinnacle of my woodworking career. It's all downhill from now. <laughs> there you go. That sounds familiar. And um, it was recorded, Tom. <laughs> right. Uh, I think, yeah, I think I did mention this before. It's uh, hands down David Marks. Without a doubt. All right. Uh, Chris, next. All right, next up. Um, th- this is the one that's always weirded, kind of strange. So when you, um, you know, obviously when everybody gets started in woodworking stuff, there's always things that we can look back and, and say, hey, this was a stumbling block. This is something that we wish we would have done a little bit different. Uh, what is that from you? What what What's the one thing that you can look back on and say, you know, if, if I would have caught this up, up front, I would have continued on a little bit faster than I did? Oh, wow. That's a really good question. Um, you may have stumped me. <laughs> I mean, honestly, uh, it's, it's really tough to look at your path and, and deter, you know, see, to see yeah. a stumbling point because, I mean, there's so many stumbling right. points that you confront as a woodworker that, oh, I didn't know that tool existed. I wish I would have had that sooner. Or I didn't know a hand plane could work like that. I sure wish I would have learned how to sharpen sooner. Right. Um, 
I mean, I think the problem is there's so many things that I could say that would fit into that category as something that I wish I would have known uh, earlier that I don't know that there's any one major thing. Um, it's just part of the natural learning curve that we all go through, you know, and you look back in hindsight 2020, you know, and you say, oh, geez, well, the, well, look, I can't believe I was using that tool to try to accomplish that. Or I could have just gone to this class and learned that technique and I right. advanced so much quicker. Um, the, I, I would guess and this, I guess this comes out more as a recommendation because this is how I've, you know, how I was able to progress fairly quickly in woodworking. Um, so, so I guess, I don't know, maybe in the beginning, the first few projects were done in a way that wasn't consistent with this. But I always try and recommend that, that people pick projects that they look at and they go, I don't know how that was done. Or there's something in there that I don't know how to do. Um, don't keep picking projects that are within your wheelhouse. Keep picking projects that are well outside. And, and even if you mess something up, guess what? Your, your worst thing that you screw up, you could still slap some paint on it and give it to an aunt or uncle or parent and, and they'll love it. They don't care. Um, you know, so use it as a learning project. And, and every project you do should have at least one challenge in it or something new in it that you haven't confronted before. And, and honestly, if I had done that on every single project that I took on, I probably would have advanced you know, faster than I did. No, it's good points, Mark. Very good. Well said. Thank you. Do I have the last question? Uh, I guess you do, Tommy. All right, Mark, this is going to be well – this one – this question is going to be outside of your wheelhouse like those projects. This is just Sweet. completely away. I don't know how this look, is going to work. Yeah. I look forward to it. How has the Internet influenced your work? Oh, my God. <laughs> so many ways. Um, do you mean work in terms of woodworking or work in terms of uh, the videos that I produce? Well, let's say in terms of woodworking. It's broadened my horizons. I think had I just continued to do woodworking on a local basis, maybe teach a few classes here and there, I think I would not have progressed as quickly or uh, experienced as many things. Uh, learning about things like something that I absolutely adore now is green and green furniture. Um, and it's definitely my online contacts that brought that into, into my world. So I think the internet has been great in terms of exposing me to tools, techniques, furniture styles, and, and just things that, I don't know, sometimes you meet someone who, who you think is a really cool person and you trust their opinion. And then they, they say something that sounds outlandish at first, but then you go, wait a minute, this guy usually knows what he's talking about. So you consider something a little more deeply than if you had just, I don't know, maybe read it in a book or something like that. Um, you take that person's opinion, uh, you, you weigh it fairly heavily. So I learn a lot from the people online that I trust. And when they recommend a tool or they say, oh, I'm really getting into this new technique, uh, this is you know the best thing, um, you know, it, it holds some weight with me. So I think everybody tends to carry each other along on this little woodworking journey online. So for me, uh, online has been, uh, you know, the internet woodworker uh, generically has been a great influence on my woodworking. Sweet. Hey, uh, Mark, we also have one question from our audience. Justin Lieb uh, for the <laughs> half-blind woodworker at com asks, so does Mateo uh, show any sign of growing a soul patch anytime soon? <laughs> we, uh, we like to get a little Sharpie and draw one on there just for fun. <laughs> I like that. Um, it actually, I think that's what we were. That's one of our ideas for Halloween this year was to do a, a reversal. I'm going to wear a very tight pair of pajamas, and uh, he's going to be yeah. If I can fit in, if I can find one, yeah. yeah. And uh, put him in, uh, yeah, put him in khaki shorts and a, a smart ass t-shirt, and uh, give him a soul patch, and he'll be set. <laughs> that's perfect. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure where that uh, kid's got blonde hair, so he's going to probably follow his, his mom's side as far as that stuff goes. So I'm not sure if he's going to get the soul patch <laughs> quite as early as I was going to. <laughs> we'll see. That well, you know, I'm sure one day it's going to come, I'm sure. One day he's going to be in, in school and he's going to be talking about his dad. and You know, he's going to try so hard to grow that soul patch. It's going to be wonderful. It's just going to happen overnight. It's like just going to pop. Yeah. <laughs> when he hits you, he's going to pop out. My, my oldest is, is at that age now where it's like, dude, you're going to need to shave in a little bit. So <laughs> when it happens, it'll be dramatic, Mark. Oh, the great days of puberty. <laughs> Got to love it. You yeah. know it. Hey, Mark, I, I cannot thank you enough for coming on tonight. And, and just, you know, from one, from one time from New Jersey to another, mil grazie, amigo. All right? <laughs> mil grazie. Hey, well, thank you. 
Yeah, thank you guys, and and you know how this is. I mean, I've met all of you personally at some point. To me, this is uh, this is what it's all about: is is taking these connections that we make online and making them happen in real life. And I think that's that's what I love the most about what you guys do. Um, is it's a very necessary thing that we need to do to make these connections real. You know, not that the online stuff isn't real, but it's not quite the same as shaking your hand and having a conversation with you. Um, exactly. And I think the fact that that you guys bring this stuff, you know, to everybody's home turf, I think is a fantastic. Thing. Well, we appreciate it, and thanks, thanks for all your support um, over the time. We we do appreciate that a lot. So, thanks. Hey, glad to help, guys. Glad to help. Rock on. All right, uh, Mark. Well, thank you for coming on. And uh, wow, we're gonna we're gonna start moving in towards uh, towards wrapping this thing up now. So, um, let's talk about the next broadcast. Uh, our topic's gonna be a wrap up of the Fine Woodworking Live build off and the whole event. Um, I understand we're gonna try to get get some recording done there, but uh, but definitely one thing I want to hear about is the uh, is the win is the domination of the of the. Uh, of the of the podium, I want to see gold, silver, and bronze all modern workers association. We're we're only bringing it. it up. We're only bringing this up if we win. If we get if something happens <laughs> yeah. and things go downhill, you will never hear about this again. If there's no discussion of the build off, it means we didn't do well. It means things did not go so well. <laughs> all right. Well, well, well. If if we if we don't do well, then we'll have another topic about another <laughs> exciting woodworking project. Uh, we'll have to work on. You know, the plan B, if everything goes south. And if everything goes in the tank. That's right. Tom, make sure there's something going on in your shop to talk about in case we don't I'll, do I'll do something crazy in the shop. Don't worry about it. I'll do something. Don't worry. We'll come up with it. And that just wraps it up. That just about wraps it up for this week's show. Um, if you have any questions or comments, please email us here at modernwoodworkersassociation at gmail.com. And if you're missing us already, I don't know who could possibly do that. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. Once you're subscribed, you'll be sure to never miss another exciting episode. While you're in iTunes, please leave us a five-star rating, even if you don't feel like it. Just do it, because it helps our rank so others can more easily find us. And if you want to learn more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to mi- visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. Follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national. You could like the MWA on Facebook or circle Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. And while you're there, join the MWA Google Plus community for project sharing discussion and load woodworking banter. All right, and to wrap things up, uh, I am Chris Adkins of HighRockWoodworking.com, or you can find me on Twitter at HighRockWW, and I don't know, I'll be somewhere else, I'm sure. Yes, you will. I'm Diami Plotke of PenultimateWoodshop.com, and on Twitter, I'm at Diami Plotke, that's D-Y-A-M-I-P-L-O-T-K-E. Why, why couldn't you just be Joe Smith? I, I don't understand. <laughs> oh, well, 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 that'll be another topic for another that's a, show. Yeah, that's a topic for another episode. We, we can spend an hour on that one. And um, I'm the resident shop monkey, Tom Iovino, Iovino of Tom'sWorkbench.com and at Tom's Workbench on Twitter. Wish you all happy sawdust. Thanks for listening.